Usa. But the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. And I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! A lot of emotion here, a lot of temper. What is your name? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. Oh. Totally uncalled for. I am the one, the way your son don't need a gun to get respect up on the street. Under the sun, the bastard son will pop the clock to feed himself and family. And we're back with the RJO Show. I'm RJ Young. Jerry Ostrowski is... On the line, I think, hey, Jerry, some some momentous stuff happens today. Like, how old were your kids when Tiger won, last won the Masters? That'd be 08. So how old were your kids in 08? How old were they in 08? So I think I had a, uh, let's see, Owen was Owen was 8, and Jackson was 11. How are they? So they're how old now? Uh, 19 and 16. Good. So league. they weren't they weren't even born the first time he won the uh, he won the green jacket. I'll tell you, man, I, I I can't even I can't even act like I'm 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 calm about this, dude. I'm so freaking fired up that he won today. I, I just I love it. I wish he'd win, you know, because I'm one of the people that wishes Tiger would win every week. Right. I, I wish he'd win every tournament. I wish it was like the old NASCAR days where either Jeff Gordon. Uh, or uh, either Jeff Gordon, Dale Senior, or like Jimmy Johnson won every week. Well, that's three people. I wish it was that's like that. One. I, I, I dig, <laughs> I dig Tiger that much, man. I wish he'd win every week, but dude, I'm so happy for the dude because it, it, it's awesome. Well, it's also a fascinating thing to look at America compartmentalize our sports obsessions because I'm not. I'm. I mean, I'm happy about Tiger winning. I was. It's as ecstatic as anybody else. I enjoy being able to watch the Masters early this morning because they wanted to miss the rain. It was a good decision. It was a good move. And I got to watch a bit of it while I was in studio doing my show all the way up to the end where he secured it by, I think, two strokes. But this is not a cool person. It's the best golfer who ever lived. Perhaps one of the best athletes who ever lived. And yet and still, we're all so excited about him. I found that fascinating. I know. I think it's the, it's what we've talked about all the time. It's the great American comeback. I mean, the guy went to the. I mean, it, it. This is if there ever was the, the story that America was based upon. This is it. I mean, the guy goes ahead. He becomes the greatest golfer in the world, um, and most of it his own making. Probably all of it his own making. His career just becomes shambles. He picks up all the pieces makes no excuses, and through, I'll say it again, I've, I tell people this all the time, the thing I marvel about Tiger Woods more than anything else is his mental toughness. His mental toughness is unmatched in sport, period. There's nobody that has a mental viewpoint, a mental toughness, a focus like Tiger does. And through that comes back with, I mean, he just won the Masters for the fifth time with a bunch of metal in his back. That's ridiculous. And at his and, age and in a way that his children yeah. to see it. And, yeah, man. With that, where, and and where I don't know, shirt? RJ. Yeah, and, and exactly. You go, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, 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 I don't, I think it's because maybe just trying to get back to seven games being played after I broke my right leg and I, I got a plate and screws in my knee and how hard it was to come back and just to play seven games in a team sport. And then I see what he's doing. It's like, I think if you, it, it just, in my mind, it resonates. Like, I feel what he's what he's doing. I feel all the stuff, the way he feels, the, the mindset when you want to do it and your mind is still sharp, but the body says no and you can't and all of that. And the fact that he reinvented the way he plays, because this isn't, this isn't the Tiger of old. I mean, I told Bo Van Pelt about this after the second round. We were watching, we were, we were texting that night before the before the third round on Saturday. I said, if this was old Tiger, he would be at the tailor already fitting his coat because he'd be up by five. Mm. And it's just a different type of Tiger. And like, for instance, he very willingly played played for Bogey on eighteen. That's not old Tiger. Um, old Tiger was, was when he would make a, he would make a 15 footer for the, you know, and, and turn around and look at his competitors in the face. Like, yeah, this is getting ready to happen again. 
that's old Tiger. It's almost like he did it. <laughs> he did it. He did it. Broke down Daddy way. <laughs> he kind of. He kind of took patience, and this is what I can do. And I'm. I'm just going to kind of go through the day, and I'm going to wait. Eventually, these guys are going to blow up when they realize, hey, it's Amen Corner on the last day, and I'm in the lead, or I'm at the top of the leaderboard. It'll happen. I'm just going to be patient, and it did. And uh, it's just really cool to see how he can then go ahead and win again move all the way up to six in the world by reinventing himself after all the stuff he went through. Just really cool stuff. Well, I think you hit on a couple of things in there that I found interesting. One of them is Old Tiger. Old Tiger never came back and won a major after trailing after 54 holes. It's just not – You're right. He's never done that before. And that Great also point. speaks to his maturity, to his having done this enough times to understand that he just ain't got it like he used to and that if I didn't win this one, I'll win the next one. And I kind of think that a, a younger version of himself – might have internally kind of shut it down and been like, you know what, I'll just prepare for the PGA Championship. I'll get ready for the Open. I'll get ready for the U.S. Open. I'll get ready for the players. What have you. Whatever it is that he was telling himself because his game was just different. And talking with folks that know from golf, you know, I know from football. Golf, I, I don't even pretend to know what it is I'm talking about. So I ask questions, and I'd say, tell me what makes not just Tiger good, but what made him tick. And they would say the game that he is playing right now is the one that Francesco Molinari, Francesca, excuse me, Molinari used to get to the top of the leaderboard, which is I don't make mistakes. I let you make mistakes. I'm going to be steady. I'm not going to go trying to hit it at pins. I'm going to put my game in the fairway, and I'm going to go for par. And if I get birdie in a five-footer, I'll be going to do that. But I'm not going to put myself out there. And that's just Molinari's game. That's just how he's built. And that's how a lot of great golfers are built. They just do not make mistakes. They're like pool alley or pool alley, pool hall hustlers. And right. I'm just going to let you try to overreach. And Tiger has never been the kind of guy that is not going to go after pins. He's not never been the kind of guy that's not going to try to drive the ball as far as he can and, as they say, overpower the golf courses. And his putter was always really good. And that was the thing going into this where people were like, I don't know if he could putt like he used to, which is really an interesting thing for me to think about because I think of putting the way I think of free throws. If you practice, you'll just hit them. You know, like we talk about the world record for most free throws made consecutively. It's, old, it's held by an old man. You know, it just speaks yep. to, to the skill that you need, not the talent that you need. So for him to have a deteriorating putter just kind of didn't wash with me. And then I'm watching it. I'm going, okay, you really just can't read the greens in the way that you used to. Which I think is is a sixth sense. I think that's something that you can you could call a talent. Well, you made you brought a you brought up a great point because Tiger spoke on this earlier in the tournament. And by the way, if he would probably go ahead and and call American Putter Company and you know go ahead and get something custom made, maybe put Charlie and Sam's pictures all over it, maybe that would settle him down on the greens. But that, <laughs> that, that, that's just me. But no, I um my thing was RJ, and you just said it, and and Tiger said the exact same thing you said. He goes, look. Where I am physically, he goes, when I was putting the ball really, really consistently and really, really well, I spent hours and hours and hours on the putting green. He goes, my back, because when you putt, you've got to lock your, your, your posture in. you got to lock your pelvis, all that. He goes, it puts a strain on your back. He goes, I can't do that with what I have injury-wise. He goes, I can't put the hours in. Therefore, that's why I'm not as consistent because I can't practice the way I used to. I mean, that's a great point by you to say that. No, I, I, it's, I appreciate that. But I'm really just trying to put it together in a way that it makes – because the thing that I was asking about, because, you know, I'm talking with producer on my show, Corey Hilliard, who's a huge golf fan, and we're talking about this at length, and I'm coming up with NBA comps because that's what I got, and NFL comps. And I was like, so Molinari is kind of like the Spurs. He's just going to be fundamentally sound instead. And he's like, yeah. I said, you didn't okay, say that because he was a Euro, did you? No, no, actually, but that's a good fit. I mean, I guess I would have called them the Dallas Mavericks, right? Maybe that. That's what they look like now. But no, uh, no, it's a good that. And he was saying, I asked the question, what make? How do you get the Steph Curry's of golf? Because I think of golf as being that kind of sport where, yeah, you can go up to a putting green and you can putt for free. You got to call. It pays. It costs money to drive the ball, right? To go to the driving range. Right. And it costs money to play the course. So what I'm thinking about is where are the guys that are doing the equivalent of hitting 30 footers in games like Steph Curry? Right. Because you can practice that. 
That's why that right. shot has become a part of the game. Is that you can actually go into the gym and practice that. You can't practice being in the rough, getting between four sets of trees onto the green and holing. You know, you can't yeah. practice ball striking in that way unless you got looped to just kind of be out there hitting those shots. And that's one of the reasons I was going to golf is never going to be as accessible as I think it should be, even as this man continues to captivate all of us. Like I, I had the notion and the joke, if you have not received a text message or a tweet from a buddy of yours with a tiger or a goat emoji today, cut that person out of your life because you don't need that kind of negativity. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's like you said, you've been, you're, you're so fired up. And, you know, one of the reasons that this is cool is we're recording this on a Sunday. And, you know, you do a, a daily show during the week. And I was thinking to myself, how cool is it that I get to have something to say about Tiger Woods possibly winning the Masters on the day that he wins the Masters? You know, uh, and, and how much how much I wonder someone like you thinks about, man, there's so much stuff that happens on the weekend I wish I could talk about immediately. Does that ever just kind right. of hit you in the years you've done radio? No, there's no doubt. I, I wish I could go right now and get on the mic and start talking about this. There's a couple situations that I've been around that I was able to witness that. I never was able to go on the mic and do it myself, but witness a show of, and I know what you're talking about because it's kind of that rawness. Yeah. Um, it, it's immediacy. raw emotion. Yeah, immediacy and raw emotion and, and just living. You are entrenched in that moment. And there was one time one time only that I was totally entrenched in the moment immediately after it happened. And it was so, it was just surreal to me. And I, and it took, um, I was in it for hours because we were in a car driving back from this place, listening to the radio. And that was in, that was when I went to Daytona and Dale Earnhardt senior died. Oh, wow. And I was, I, I remember I've told the story before we go to the race and we have just unbelievable seats, start finish line, my buddy and I, and, and, you know, they're going, Michael Waltrip comes down through, wins the race, junior second, Dale crashes up between, uh, four and the, and the trioval, the, the, the start finish line. And I remember we parked across the street at a sports bar and this is what I liken this to. And this is how I think this analogy goes really well. There wasn't tragedy, but just kind of the, the, not only the immediacy, but also the amount of people that it touched. And so we go across the street and this thing's like locked. Okay. And we were, I remember when we, when we left the track, there was ambulances down there. Nobody was saying anything. We watched a caravan of Cadillacs go onto the track and come off the track after the ambulance left the crash, you know, but nobody thought anything of it. This is, this is Dale Earnhardt. And it does nothing happens to this guy. Right. And we're, we're, we go across the street and we're in this, this bar sports bar and I'm sitting there and I look across the bar and I go, that's my buddy, Pat. And here's my buddy, Pat from Buffalo. And I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm down here with the Dodge dealers, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's a car salesman. So there's my buddy, Pat. There's people of all makes and kind and races and everything in there. There's bikers, there's professionals, there's, there is everything in there in this bar and we're, and everybody's kind of sitting around and they're all milling talking. I walked up to the bar to get a couple of beers for me and my buddy. And the bartender's like, man, these people are going to flip in here, man. These people are going to flip. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, my boy works at the racetrack. He just called me. He said, Dale's dead, man. Dale's dead. And I'm like, shut up. I said, don't even kid about something like that. And he goes, okay, man, remember who told you first. And he hands me my two beers and I turned around. And about that time, like a couple, three, four minutes later, the, uh, Helton came on the screen and he says, uh, we lost Dale Earnhardt. And I was like, you could have heard a pin drop in there. Everybody at that present moment was one. It was like people, I mean, tough dudes were crying. Women were hugging their husbands. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. So finally traffic clears. We get in the car and we're driving and we turn on the local radio station, sports radio. And it's just, it is three hours of straight, tribute and people talking about him and what he meant to him and i mean just unbelievable immediacy and in the moment and i've never been in a part of something like that but that's where that's why i think it's awesome what you do and your style and how you do it because you have that and i wish i wish we had that ability in america to have immediacy because there'd be nothing better than listening to sports radio 
you know, five, 10, 15 minutes after that, that green jacket ceremony presentation in Butler cabin. It had been awesome. See, and, uh, no, amazing. And I, I appreciate that. And, and you know, you, like there've been, you text me about Charlie Casterly, right. Having something to say. And I was able to get right. on YouTube and, and make right. advantage of that. But the other way that I was thinking about that is the trade deadline, which is a little bit different. It ain't as somber as Dale Earnhardt and we're out of that. Yeah, sorry right? to sorry, go from the elation of Tiger <laughs> went into that. Sorry, that no, does kill. No, no, but that's that's <laughs> exactly what I was asking for. And I appreciate you putting right. yourself out like that. Because right. It, that's that's a big part of it. And I think about like the guys that we follow who are NBA insiders and them reacting to Paul George signing his extension or signing his max deal. You know, and, and they're flabbergasted. We're there for that. We are there for the immediacy of the people that we know and love, who follow the sports that we know and love every single day, having raw emotion and things to say about it because you know that those people have been in it. Because, like, as much as I wanted to be a part of today and be on the microphone and immediately after that man holds that putt and you get to see that fist pump and you get to see his kid dressed oh, like man. him. I don't want to necessarily hear from me. I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear from the Bo Van Pelt of the world. You know, yeah. I want to hear from the folks who live and die this stuff every single day and who yeah. were there last year. Remember that gallery? Yeah. All gone near engulfed him. And I, and I was thinking about that from a psychological standpoint, and I'm still digging on, you know, some scholarly articles about why it is that we, we love people in these moments. But this was one of those moments, man. You know, this is one of those. And, and we're going to remember it in the way that we remember Earnhardt, in the way that some of us remember not just Paul George signing, but Kevin Durant leaving. You remember that? July right. 4th, 2016. And yeah. that is one of the reasons that I adore sports radio. You know, I just, I, I don't think there's anything better than those moments. As a matter of fact, you kind of put a, a local host on the spot here. Tomorrow at 2 p.m., as soon as you get off the radio, people are going to be tuning in to Jim Traber's show just to see <laughs> what he's going to do. Like, I made the joke yeah. on Twitter that I'm going to call into the show because, you know, everybody's going to call into the show. That's that's from Oklahoma and here's. But, like, also, where would you have to be in your life, you know, and I'm not asking you to make judgments. I'm, I'm making the judgments. But why would you not root for Tiger? Why would you want to, like, my buddy Ford, huge friend of mine, has been, I mean, he's huge in the golf. He's been a Tiger's truther forever. And he's like, nope, he's coming back. Even, you know, when the knee thing, the back thing, all of it. He's like, no, no, he's going to win a major. And I I so love that optimism because it's just not me, right? I, I Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And yet this man was here for it. And I was going, why would I root against this? And I'm questioning myself a lot of the times like, okay, why am I rooting against uh, the Thunder and making the Western Conference Finals? And it's because I'm not necessarily rooting against them as much as I'm just mad. And I'm going, why am I mad? I'm mad because I had faith in that team for a very long time. And I see lots of the same things going on. So maybe it is that you have faith in Tiger. And he wronged you in some way by not doing what he's supposed to do, which is win all the tournaments and all the time. And I'm wondering about that as sports fans, like our, our fanaticism, because that's where that term comes from. Like, right. what, what does that say about us as individuals? I think, again... It goes back to the story of him and everything that he's done. But I also think, RJ, that we we have so many pressures in our lives and so many things that we have to be responsible for. And, and whether you're a golf fan, a baseball fan, a football fan, whatever, there's a certain amount of time during the week that we get to escape. And, you know, I think the thing about Tiger was he, he, he resonates to everyone, not, not the, not the white public, not the black public, not the Asian, not the rich, not the poor, not the fortunate less. And what he resonates with everybody. And I put this tweet out earlier today and I was, I thought I'd get a lot more pushback on it, but obviously a lot of people agree with me. And my in the tweet was this, and you might not agree with it. You might, whatever, but not LeBron, not Mike, not Jeter, not Brady, not Peyton, not Messi, not Mia, 
not Usain, not Ronaldo, not Serena, not Federer. No one moves the needle in sport worldwide like Eldrick Tiger Woods. Well, and I truly believe that. Well, you one, you put it out today, right? So this is a good day yeah. to put that out. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good day to have that take. But on the yeah, other hand, hot take, hot take, hot take Sunday in the golf world, right? Right, 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 right. But I always felt that. I've always felt that way, not just today. No, and I, I'm just putting that out of there as a caveat because I know that somebody's listening, going, "All right, dude, on on, t- on today of all days, nobody's right. going to push back on that." But on the other hand, I think you're correct. You know, I, I'm not going to argue that point because I'm seeing it myself. And, I, and I've grown up with most of the people you named, if not contemporaries, just a generation ahead of me. And that would be Tiger. Like LeBron and I are a couple of years apart, three years apart, I believe. You know, and, and I guess Jordan would be as close to being Tiger in that generation. But even that guy doesn't move it like you would move it. And I'm thinking about who else would you put up there that is appointment television in the way that everybody stopped what they're doing. And that was one of the reasons I was so excited about Kyler Murray going to baseball is because I thought he had the potential to do that just because of who he is and and the bidding war to ensue and who nobody could ever be Tiger. And that was kind of the thing. Nobody could ever be Tiger. So no matter how we might feel about him personally, that is, I think, a fundamental truth of sports fandom. We're going to watch Tiger Woods on Sunday in contention. And even if he's not, we're going to wish he was. And that's powerful. I, I think that there's only one athlete ever in the history of mankind that moved the needle like Tiger in sport worldwide. Because you, you you hit the nail on the head when you said earlier, it's not just joy, it's rage too. There's not much lukewarm when it comes to Tiger. People either love him or they despise him. Um, there's only one other person I think I can remember in, in sport and I got to catch the tail end of it as a kid because I grew up with a grandfather that was a was uh, he boxed in the military, and we watched a tremendous amount of boxing together. Tyson was one or of the things Muhammad we Ali. did. Muhammad Ali. Okay, all right. And I'm not saying that I'm a huge Ali historian, right. but I just remember I remember listening to my grandfather and listening to others and watching what he did and his story. His story, you know, made so many people mad because he was, you know, a draft dodgers. But there was just, I just, I remember, I was like, you know what? Nobody nobody moves the needle like that dude either. And that's the only other person I can ever think of. And I don't know, maybe Jordan, maybe Jordan did. What do you, you're, you're more, I think you're more of a Jordan historian. You're much more Jordan historian than I am. I think. Because I never, I never paid much mind to Jordan because I was, except for the shoes, because I was always a Sixers fan. But. <laughs> You know, I had my own guys like Charles and 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 the Doctor and Moses and all those cats. And later AI, right? Right. Oh, guys, I got an AI jersey in my closet. <laughs> a hey hey a four XL AI jersey. Hey, that a boy. But um, a boy. you know, I listened to all that and I see this. And I'm like, really? I mean, is is there any? Is I I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say. Well, I'm gonna, I- I think with Jordan, it's also, again, there are no no lukewarm fans about Jordan. I mean, as a child, there was nobody else you wanted to be in the world. There just just wasn't. I mean, like Mike just hit everybody on the head. But as I got older, and I read Sam Smith's The Jordan Rules, and I heard what his teammates had to say about him, and I heard what kind of a horrible teammate he was. Yeah, my opinion changed, but I'm still going to watch the dude play basketball. So, like, when he was a wizard, I couldn't stand Michael Jordan because I knew what kind of a teammate he was. And and at that time, I had learned what age does to most people and the audacity for you to come out of the stands to go play in this game that devours so many others means I'm going to watch you, right? It's, that's what it means. It means I'm going to watch you in the way that some people who hate, who hate listen to Howard Stern used to do. You know, I want to see what he's going to do next. But I think there has to be that part of it because Roger Federer does not move the needle like that for a lot of people though Roger Federer is one of the greatest athletes of all time yes. right yeah. And, yeah but he's such a nice guy like it's mm-hmm. very hard to find somebody who's like you know what f Roger he's exactly Roger like, hey he's exactly like where he's from Switzerland right, <laughs> right. I mean, he's kind of neutral man right I but mean no, but even so to- Right, but you made a great point, though. Again, I mean, this is what's so funny is, okay, we're, we're making this discussion between Jordan and Tiger, 
because I think in because I really believe that in 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 modern times that's the only guy we can compare him to right now, as far as even remotely somewhat a contemporary is Tiger. But you know what? You made a great point when you talked about the book and the fact that the teammates didn't like him. Yada yada yada. Hey. Do you think in 2000, what did you say? 2000, when was the last time you won the green jacket? 2008. 2008. In 2008, when he won the green jacket, were there were there six to eight of his fellow uh, playing pros waiting? Oh, yeah, they couldn't stand him. They oh, couldn't yeah. stand him. They couldn't stand him. They, they hated him. Yeah, they, they couldn't stand him. And now all of a sudden, you got the Ricky Fowlers. You kept getting even weighted. I mean, these guys... Yeah, I mean, total and, and, <laughs> and freaking Poulter was there with his visor off, paying homage right. to Tiger. Right. That never would have happened before. Well, uh, and okay, cynical, cynical RJ needs to step in and say these are all branding opportunities for these guys. <laughs> okay, okay, cynical, yeah. R, cynical RJ, okay, is there you go. keep it one hundred with you. No, 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 you're not going to be the guy who, on the day that the world wants to have Tiger Woods' children. Gonna be the guy saying "f that guy." You're not gonna be that dude. They get me in line. I'll yeah, have one. Right, 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 right. And that so some of that is in play. But yeah, I mean, it, it all it's all of a piece. And and I know we we need to we need to talk about other things. But this is this is a momentous day because I'm thinking about what I was doing in 2008. Man, I was still an undergrad at the University of Tulsa, thinking that I was gonna be Sean Griswold. I was gonna be. It's gonna. I was gonna be Jerry Schmidt. You know, I was going to make big, fast individuals and be a big, fast individual myself, right? I was going to be a Benny Wiley of the world. What were you doing in 2008? In 2008, I was years removed from the from my final plays as a professional football player in 02. So that was six years removed. Six years, I was... Uh, I guess I was I was uh, I was teaching and coaching at Holland Hall, trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what I what I want to be when I grow up, RJ, and I'm 48 years old. Well, I mean, I think we're all going to be doing that. Like, hey, man, you'd have told me even two years ago that you and I were going to have a podcast. I I would have laughed at you. You told me two years ago that I was going to be on YouTube. I would have told you there's no not, not a chance in hell. Uh, you know, I'm a writer. So, I mean, it, we're all figuring that out, and, and life is seasons, and I'm learning that if at you'd a very told, young yeah. age. Huh? If, you'd have told me, if you'd have told me that I'd have been stressed out because I had to get my 50-minute yoga workout in before we got on this podcast call, <laughs> I'd have told you were crazy. What are you down to? Uh, let's just say that uh, I, am under, I am under 400 pounds for the first time in years. Oh, my God. Boy. Yes, it's going well. It's going very well. Very cool. I am, uh, I'm, uh, I'm. I guess you would say, I'm heading towards my playing weight. Hey! Now, if I can get, if I can get, if I can get to what I was when I, if I could get to what I was when I was at my fittest, um, that would be amazing. But I'm not stressing out about it, man. I'm doing my stuff. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start adding some bicycle, man. I'm gonna start riding my bike. And I'm eating good and everything, so everything's fine. I feel good about it, and and we're we're rolling along. But uh, no, nah, man, I appreciate that. Thank you. Very cool, very cool. And also, I know that I'm glad that we made it through a goat conversation without mentioning Kobe because I hate that dude. I take you that know back. What? I don't. I don't hate Kobe. I hate Kobe fans. Let me cap, let me qualify that. I hate Kobe fans. Well, Kobe, Kobe, I I never hated Kobe until he ran his mouth about Philly. Well, I mean, Kobe ran his mouth about Philly, then I had an issue with him. But here's the thing. Philly, Kobe was never Philly anyway. No, he lived Italy. outside of Philly, but he lived in a, you know, he never, he was never Philly. I mean, even Will Smith can go right. back and represent well, Philly. I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta step in here and ask you, what's your boy doing looking at Amir Johnson's phone? Dude, that's the biggest clown show I've ever been around in my life. Or seen in my life. For you know what, you, Joel Embiid. Here's here's what here's what here's what here's set it up, what pisses set it up, me set off it up, about Joel Embiid. Set, set it up first. Okay. Though. Set it up first. Okay. Go ahead. You go ahead and do it. Okay. So the Sixers are playing Brooklyn. Brooklyn is beating the bricks, just beating the brakes off of Philly at Philly's <laughs> on Philly's home turf. 
if Philly's supposed to be running away with this series and this game, and Brooklyn played lights out, let's let's not forget about that. But Joel Embiid, who's supposed to be nursing a knee injury, who was a 15-minute before the game started, we're going to play you decision, is seen when they're getting shellacked, checking Amir Johnson's text. I'm saying looking at you know memes because it's funnier to say looking at memes. Who And Amir Johnson's not even active, and he's on – the bench with his phone in his pocket. Now I'm a millennial and I feel like when I leave my phone somewhere that I'm missing an appendage, but I'm not about to take my phone out there onto the bench. And then for you to be the star player and say, I, I'm not, not say put your phone away, but also do that thing of look down at the phone. And then you got your boy Ben Simmons over there telling his own fans stay on that other side because they're rightfully upset that y'all are like you say a clown show. What is what is it? Here's my thing: what the Sixers have done for him, they have bent over backwards for Joel Embiid. They have they have brought him along slowly. They have allowed him to heal. They have they have allowed him to make all this money. They have done so much for that cat, and he is he continues to 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 let the organization down, to let the fan base down. You know, Ben Simmons is a great player. But that's what he is. He's a great player. Embiid can be really great, but he's too he's too much of a clown to allow it to mature and, 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 and move forward. The biggest issue with the Sixers, and this is my problem with LeBron, okay? And I had this I had this conversation last night with Bill Haston. And I said, This is this is the deal about LeBron. When everybody talks about LeBron wanting to win championships and he went to LA to win a championship. Bull crap. He did not go to LA to win a championship. He went to L.A. to set up the second half of his career and, and do all that stuff out there that he wanted to do. If he wanted to win a championship and he was worried about winning championships, he'd have went to Philly because all Philly needs is a player that could be a leader. They've got a lot of talent. They have no leadership. Wait, so and that's get, the problem with Joel Embiid. Is he's, if they're relying on that dude to be a leader, it's not happening. So Jimmy Butler is not a leader for you? Oh, no. Okay. All right. I'm just – Jimmy I'm Butler – Jimmy Butler's been complaining since he got there. Not, they well, talked about trading Jimmy Butler before the season was even over. And that was after they traded to get him. Well, Brett Brown's over there talking about Jimmy Butler's the adult in the room. He might be the adult in the room, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can say what you want. And maybe, hey, and maybe, hey, let me let me put my hands up and say, I'd be the first one to say maybe Jimmy Butler is, is sick of it. Maybe he came in and said, this is ridiculous. You know, Ben's really good, but he's immature, and he can he's pretty one-dimensional. And Bede is a lost cause. You know, J.J. Reddit looks great with a bunch of tattoos. He looks like Adam Levine, but he needs to shoot the ball better. I mean, you got all this stuff, right? But I, I don't think – I think Jimmy Butler's too volatile to be the supreme. You need a calming – you need a calming leadership. Or you need a leadership that's able to, because you know as well as I do, LeBron. Nobody does passive aggressive better than LeBron James. I mean, LeBron can can. I mean, he and 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 all that. So I I don't know, man. They just their leadership is awful. I'm afraid what's going to happen is is Brett Brown's going to be the one to 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 be the fall guy for this, and he doesn't deserve to be. Yeah, and I I don't as I don't see another way to go though either. And you're right after all the moves they made, but I'm not sure how Elton Brand assesses the situation, especially if they get bumped in the first round. Now, if it ends up being a blip and they get into the second round and they do something against, say, well, man, we can't even, I guess we're still betting on Toronto, but DJ Augustine right. said, I ain't dead yet. And Kyle Lowry went right. over from the floor, you know, and I guess we're still betting on Boston. All right, fine. But I think that that's as much a dumpster fire as Philly is. And, you know, one of the things I love about the playoffs is, you know, one, I mean, you're talking about another, what, one, two, three, four rounds, like 30 games? Yes. Right? So, I mean, yes. it's a different season. Like, it's a, it's a whole other season, and that's what I love about it. But also, your flaws get magnified. And I think that's what's happening with your Philly Sixers. Their flaws are getting magnified because the games mean more. And you know that your legacy is on the line here. Like, we're talking about the NBA playoffs, and we need to be talking about OKC and Portland because 
the dude who's going to come out of this series smelling okay, no matter how it goes, is Dame Lillard. You know, and, I, and I'm bringing that up for a number of reasons. One is, there's this player poll that I want to get into you, with you in a little bit where the dudes that vote for the play, the player, the athletic did a poll where they asked players anonymously who you would want to build your franchise around. You can pick any player in the league, and most of them picked that dude. So he has the respect of his teammates and the league in a way that, say, Russ Westbrook does not, in a way that Joel Embiid does not, in a way that I guess the, the guy that finished second was uh, Kawhi Leonard. So he's got some respect from a lot of people. But how many divas are there in this league? Now, that's one of the reasons I love to watch it is because it's a soap opera. But still, it's very hard to figure out what your team is going to be if everybody else has a different agenda. I I hate that about the NBA. Hmm. Well, you're also I a hate, center. You're, you're, you're center. I can't. Yeah, I can't stand. Um, and I and I I here I go again. You no, know, please go go for you, it. You, Yell at those clouds. You love you love how to corner me and make me hit my trigger points, and then <laughs> I'm like, you know, there's the old senile guy in the room. Um, I just, you know, I I I don't like individualism. I, I like some. You can be an individual and still be a team guy. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't. I I think a guy like uh, Lillard or whoever, he's such a tough-minded, grinder-type player. He shows up every night. He busts his tail. He plays hard for his teammates. He picks them up. He doesn't complain. And I and that's what I think is respected. It's the same thing with with um my man up in Toronto. Kawhi. Kawhi. It's the same thing with him. I mean, Kawhi's his own person. I mean, we—he had one of the biggest, most well-documented battles with management ever. I mean, he goes to Toronto. He, you know, all the stuff about the injury, but he's still his own person. You never at one time heard him go on a smear campaign or get upset or anything like that. I mean, he did what he did and he moved on, and he—he he just shows up and plays. Um, I'll be honest with you. I don't understand what the. I don't understand what the love affair is with Russell. I don't. Of course you do. I don't understand what the love affair is. Of course you do. Because he was the girl that said yes. Yes. That's it. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So I watched this show called Billions on Showtime. I love it. Okay. You have to tell me about it because my buddy in Denver, he, he texts me literally every two days and says, did you watch Billions yet? Oh, well, Did you watch Billions your buddy, yet? You're, uh, it sounds like I'm doing a podcast with the wrong dude. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, all right. So I, I love the show. I love the show like I love The Wire. Like I right. love Peaky Blinders. Hmm. Like I love a lot hmm. of – like I, I am a right. prestige television – I, the only word that's coming to my mind is whore. But that's yep. what it is. I will, I will block away days and times and because, I mean, you know that I deal with – clinical depression this is one of the ways that i, I help deal and, and medicate is right yeah i'll sit there in the dark with my hoodie up watching shows like this and i'll stock up on the shows so that i have something to just while away six or seven hours or whatever so i hadn't watched the show in about two years because life happened and i had time blocked away to where i could catch up with season four which is going on right now and i'm bringing it up because there was this bit in the show where it was Asking questions like the one you're asking. Is it because you're the girl that said yes? And is there an attorney who knows that his wife was cheating on him and also knows that his wife is bleeding him dry, saying that she's investing in, in, of all things, a yoga empire. And there's this, he's deep in it, and he's trying to make her happy, and he's trying to be supportive. And his buddy, who's also a lawyer, just goes digging into it, finds out that, A, she's cheating, B, she's stealing money from him. And his buddy says, yes, but I love the woman, and I want to make it work. I gave up on a marriage once. I'm not going to do that again. She's young. She'll come around. And what ended up happening is his buddy strong-armed this woman into giving back a lot to the money and breaking off the relationship with the other dude. And rather than tell her to go away, says, you're going to go back to my buddy, and you're going to make him the happiest man in the world because the thing that makes him happy is you. That is OKC with Russell Westbrook. <laughs> they don't care yeah and by they i mean like i call myself a thunder fan right it's it's my team i live here but i'm also not closing my eyes 
to a guy that's selfish, to a guy that people want to hold up gets 20-20-20 against the worst Lakers team that I've seen in recent memory and is breaking all these triple-double records at what expense? Because where I'm from, you measure, you measure success with rings. And people will come say things like, so you're going to tell me that Dirk Nowitzki is a better player than Russell Westbrook? Yes, I will. I'll also yeah. tell you that Robert Ory's championships probably mean more. And he's got I like eight, you know? Yep. Being a part of a championship squad, even even Adam, uh, what's his name? At, not Adam Johnson. Went to Gonzaga. Morrison. Uh, Adam Morrison. Morrison. He's got rings, man. Scalabrini's got a ring. And, and at the end of the day, is that not what we're playing for? And that gets back to your idea of team. Can you be an individual on a team? Like one of the things that I kind of think is cool about you and I, we're walking out of the studio at the sports animal. You got a backpack, I got a backpack. And I said, I didn't know you were a backpack, dude. He said, yeah, man, I, I carry a backpack everywhere. Now, I don't carry a backpack like the one that my kids might have, and you're making reference to my backpack, which is loud and individualistic, <laughs> right? Yes. But but we're also, I mean, this is this is a team podcast, and you and I are friends, and, and I know how to work within that structure, and so do you. So you can be an individual on a team. But neither one of us needs to be a diva to, right. to, to, to reach a different end. And at the end of the day, right. want to make a good show, right? And that's winning a championship for you and I. That's as close as we're gonna get. Gonna get is having a really good show. And I'm not always sure that Russell Westbrook wants a good show. I think he wants to be the show. And OKC, I, there is no doubt in my mind. Yeah, and OKC was ready to let him be the show. Because really, if you want to get down to brass tacks, and you really want to look at it and and, and segment this whole thing and and get crazy analytical and everything else. They'd be much better to move them and build it around Paul George. Okay, so here's the here's the other part that I'm gonna I'm gonna get at you. One, Paul George is a beta; he's not an alpha. As much as I hate to say that, his best season still needed to have Russell Westbrook on the floor, and that's really difficult to get away from. Now, could he? And I don't even think that he could. You could build with him as Schroeder as your as your one because Schroeder's an alpha. He wants to take your shot. That's what alphas do. They take your shot. Dame Lillard is an alpha. C.J. McCollum is a beta. That's why that team works. You know, Nurkic was their tough guy, and that's why their their season seemed to fall apart. But the problem is, is the alpha for the for the Thunder needs to be the he needs to be the theta, right? <laughs> not the right. not the alpha. Right. I could accept him being the beta, but that's my problem. I don't. You're. I don't. I don't know if a championship even matters to him. And that's what's scary to me. And that's why I'm dogging on him and, and Sam Presti as much as I am. Because I don't think a championship matters to any of them. Acceptance is more important than winning. Right. There's this weird thing about being accepted. First of all, you know and I know the BS antics that he, he pulls after games. Come on, dude. Either do the interview or don't do the interview. People actually had the 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 wherewithal to tell me well i mean i totally understand i mean you know he gets he has to interview every day like after every game and i mean basically he's saying the same yeah you know what he can say the same thing over again he can say it respectfully without shaking a damn cup of ice you know who else has nothing to say kawiat leonard yes you know and nobody's dog he, nobody's talking about how he's dogging them out that dude is one of the least quotable people in the history of the NBA, and we reluctantly call him a superstar because he's probably the best two-way player to ever do it. And that includes PG for all the Thunder fans out there. But he has nothing ever to add, you know? And it, But he's also just kind of, that's who he is, you know what I mean? And, and you if can I be, would, Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, all I was going to say was this, is if... If I'm up in Buffalo and I'm shaking a damn cup of ice every time somebody asks a question and being incredibly outwardly rude like that, my own mother would have drove six and a half, found me, and slapped me upside my head. I'm just like, it's it's just it's not even just a sports thing, man. It's just it's common courtesy. And here's my problem, okay? I don't believe, and I'm telling you what happened in Utah this year was an atrocity, and the fact that they went ahead and threw that dude out and everything, that's the way it should be, okay? There's one thing about heckling players that's fine. I've been heckled millions of times. There's another go about going over the line 
just for effect and thinking you have the right to say all that kind of stuff and be an idiot. You don't, okay? But the fact of the matter is, is that if you if you want to be treated with respect by all the groups included in sport, fan, media, all of that, then damn, shouldn't you do the same thing back? Uh, well, not just the same thing back, but there's a higher standard to meet. There just there just is with the money that is involved, and then with the the fame that is involved. There's a higher standard for you to meet. Now, I'm I was supportive of the way that, like, for instance, the the kid that got up and touched him. That's over the line for me too. And I think him having that chat with the kid while he's really just having a chat with the dad. Yes. That that was the way for me to do it. Right. Because I didn't I didn't yell at you. I didn't take it out on you in in a physical way. But I am gonna assert myself and say, yo. That's offside, and you know why. Oh, yeah. I, I think he did that well. Right. That's what I'm saying, though. Right. He does things, and this was crazy, is he does things well, but then he does. Because he's petulant. I but mean, it's, not, it's, it's, it's wild, man. There's a level of discipline that needs to be involved. And you and I have to have it, right? And, and I, I play with a lot of people about it. Like, for instance, uh, everybody's been laughing about this segment that I did on Sirius Radio where – I was asked back-to-back questions that were kind of just off and out of line in that I wasn't on their show to do that. But my, I'm not going to dunk on you on your show in the way right. that, I, that I could have because, you know, that's the, everybody knows what's going on. And, and I recorded the deal so you could see my face, but I'm not going to try to mess up their flow by cackling in the microphone. You know what I mean? So there's, there's, there's decorum here, and there's a level of, of discipline that needs to be in play. When you know that you're in somebody else's house, you know, and I'm on their show and it's a very cool thing to do. But at the other, on the other hand, if I would have caught back at that guy and I'd have rolled with it and said stuff like, you know what? It's been really good to see Nick Saban on the sidelines at Oklahoma. I feel like the defense is getting really good. It's been uh, a godsend to watch Vince Young compete with Sam Ellinger as the starting quarterback in Texas. Everybody would have laughed, but I thought that would have been over the line. You know what I mean? Like uh, I was reminded of, this segment on the ticket where one of the hosts interviewed Wade Boggs with Brett or with George Brett statistics. <laughs> and it was clear that that was his aim. His aim was to just anger Wade Boggs for whatever reason. It's good radio, right? We're all laughing. Well, Wade's his, Wade Boggs historically is a, has the red ass all the time. Okay. So, so easy target and I'm going to set you up and we both know that I do that. Right. And, and that's, that's part of the feel about what I love about doing this, but there's also a level of respect, you know, like you, Sittler cussing on the radio does not make Sittler and I not friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just like Sittler was a champion of my work before I ever got to YouTube or on the radio. And, right. And, and, and you know, it's kind of like you earlier in this podcast, you're like, you just, you're going to do that thing and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to yell at clouds and I'm going, yeah, but that's yeah. fun. But there's a difference between doing that in good nature and what Russ is doing. Right. Russ is taking a dump in your house. Yep. You know, and there's no courtesy. That's so question. well put. Oh, that's so well put. So, uh, man, we're we're running on time here. Uh, do you want to go through this player poll, or do you want to talk about? Yeah, this real, quick, yesterday? real quick. Real okay, quick. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna ask you who your answer would be, and then I'm gonna tell you the answers. So this, right. this players poll was put out by the Athletic. Uh, I subscribe. I think it's a really great website. I think they're doing amazing work. And one of the cool things that they did was do their inaugural player poll where they give a bunch of players, 127 of them, in fact, anonymity, and 30 of their beat writers asked the same questions, and they got percentage votes for these things, like who's the MVP, 122 votes. Who's your MVP? In the NBA? In the NBA. Oh. Wow. Mm. Alex Trebek, I mean, put the clock on. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> put the clock on. Um, 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 I, I, I don't. I mean, I mean, they're gonna say what Harden? No, I'm asking you what you're gonna say. Then I'm gonna tell you what they're gonna say. Okay, I see. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the MVP would probably end up being um, Harden. Right, and they would say. Their MVP is Harden. The vote breaks down to this. James Harden is number one at 44%. Giannis is at 38.9%. PG at 12.7%. 
Embiid at 1.7, and then there was a tie of 1% between Kyrie, Dame, and Kawhi. Because I don't think Houston's that good without him. I don't think – I finally they finally have a team that's all over the place, and really the reason they are where they are is because of James Harden. Well, and I also think the MVP is a scoring title. I think that's yeah. that's just the that's the nature of it. Whether you like it or not, doesn't really factor in. It's a scoring yeah. title, and I, that would be my MVP as well. I think he's had an outstanding season. The best defender in the league. Who are you going with? I I probably Kawhi. Okay, that's who they go with. Thirty percent pick Kawhi. Uh, I would have gone with uh, PG, but that was number two. Rudy Gobert was number three. Pat Bev was number four. And Embiid at five. Really? Yeah, Pat Bev. Like, get in I love. think Patrick Beverly. I do too. He's a freaking house rat, man. Oh, yeah. I love that dude. Oh, yeah. And it's it, just a lot of fun to hear him talk about anything. Uh, best ball yes. handler in the league. I don't think this one's close, but neither does the league, too. Okay, cool. Best ball handler in the league? Yep. I don't know. Tell me who. Kyrie. Like, a lot of people yeah. are going to go Steph. And I'm going, nah, yeah. if you're paying attention, if you're paying attention, yeah. it's Kyrie I Irving. That. I can see Kyrie. He might be the best ball handler in the history of the NBA. I'm not joking. Like, but he's, he's also a malcontent that doesn't understand team basketball. Oh, he's a perfect microcosm of what the league is today. Yes. Yeah. All right, so number four, um, you're building a roster from scratch. We talked about this earlier. Who are you signing first? Who am I signing first? Anthony Davis. Okay. Uh, I think that's a really good pick. I would go with KD because I could build anything. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. You're right there. But I'm the, still stuck in the old days where a big man's important. Well, but he could do all the things, right? If any, right? If, exactly. Just gonna say he's got handles. He can do everything. Yeah, I mean, the guy was a point guard, and then he got a foot growth sport. So yeah, Giannis is one. Anthony Davis is two. Embiid is three. KD is four. LeBron is five. And I thought that was interesting. I'm surprised Embiid's four. I, I'm telling you, the guy's skill set speaks to all the things you want, kind of like with AD. All the things you, you want yeah. in a modern center. It's his, it, it's his personality that's the problem. Yes. Right. Uh, most overrated. This is a fun one. <laughs> LeBron. No, but that's who you're going I'm with? I'm going LeBron. Okay. My, mine's LeBron. Okay. Uh, mine is Ben Simmons. Ooh. Dirty. Yeah. Well, I, man, come on. Like that dude is dirty. Not, that dude is Rondo plus four inches. Um, dirty. So number one is a tie between Draymond and Russ Westbrook. <laughs> Can't argue. So, the two biggest miserable people in the league. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Then it's that's great. And then it's three Minnesota Timberwolves, or, or at least were teammates at one time, Jimmy, Andrew Wiggins, and Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> Wiggins, Wiggins, do you remember what? Uh, do you remember when Wiggins when they moved him from Cleveland and they were saying that was going to be the worst thing they ever did in their life? Oh yeah, I remember because we all thought he was going to be at the very least a good defender, and he's anything but. Right. You know, just just could give a damn on defense. All right, most underrated player in the league. Most underrated player in the league. Well, ooh, uh, Stephen Adams. <laughs> okay. Uh, I I would. I don't. I don't know, man. I I don't know. I I'm trying to think who that would be, man. Uh, I was gonna go with Brad Beal. Bradley right. Beal. Uh, they went with Drew Holiday. At really? 16, yeah, at sixteen percent, and then at number two was Dame Lillard and Chris Middleton. Yeah, I could see Lill. Lillard is a good pick. And then Mike Conley at third. I thought that's a good pick, and and my dude. Bradley Beal is tied with Kimba Walker, Lou Williams, and CJ McCollum. Conley's a good pick. Conley's a really good pick. Yeah. No, I like the Lillard, I like the Lillard pick. I just didn't know. I, you know, I think a big part of that is they played in the Pacific Northwest, and nobody ever hears about them until two in the morning. You know, <laughs> that, that's that's correct. All right, so <laughs> best player of all time. Best player of all time. Uh, probably. I, I want to say Charles Barkley or Dr. J or Mo Cheeks or Moses Malone or oh, hell, geez. I'd even say I'd, I'd even say I'd even say uh, my, Mark Ivoroni too. But I know that's not going to be it. Actually, I'd say probably best player of all time. Still, I'm going Mike. Yeah, that's who they would go with. That's who they would go with. I think I begrudgingly go with that. 
Number two, they're saying LeBron. Number three, they're saying Kobe. And number four, they're saying Kareem. Why is you know who's not on that list? Who? And I want to know. I want to know why. Why is why is Shaquille O'Neal not on that list? That's a good point. Uh, I think I think it's all about who they hear the most, man. You know, I think if you're on TV like that all the time, you're probably not going to get as much pub as you should. Or is it also because basically Shaq was just a physical mismatch and it wasn't like he was skillful. He was just bigger than everybody. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could have said the same thing. And I think Kareem was fabulous. And and Mag- Magic Johnson is on this list and he was a physical match, uh, ma- uh, physical mismatch. No matter where you go. That's, that's a whole nother podcast. Right. I got a, I got, I got some, some strong points about that. Ooh, yeah, well, we need to get into it. Uh, who don't you want to fight? I love this one. I love this question. In the NBA, who now, do I not want to fight? Yeah. Either the dude, uh, the what's his name? Uh, is it Crowder? Yeah, Jay Crowder. The dude up in Utah. I think he's at Utah now. Yeah, that dude up there, that that dude is that dude seems like he's just can throw him and that crazy ass uh, Beverly's another one. He looks like a nut, like he would just keep coming, like the dude from uh, Monty Python, Search of the Holy Grail, like he'd have like no arms and one leg, and he'd still be hopping over there trying to kill you. So, so Pat Bev is number four on their list. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, at the at the top of my list, I would have Demarcus Cousins. I would have Boogie. I don't think nobody want any any problems with Boogie. I think well, he just got to move around the ring a little bit. I don't and he'd know, start, man. He like start the blowing under- them lungs out. It's kind of like the Undertaker. If he get that hand on you, good night. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But at the top of the list is James Johnson, which makes a lot of sense because I think James Johnson is like twenty and zero in kickboxing. Oh really? Yeah, I'm, I'm dead serious. Um, and then number two is Stephen Adams. But check this out: these are the dudes still getting votes from from the players who are playing today. By the way, Charles Oakley. Ron Ar- <laughs> yeah, Ron Artest. Uh, who else is in here that I, uh, and Bobby Portis? But you know why? But you, but you know why Chuck and the uh, freaking Artest are on there? Because those two lunatics would actually physically kill you. Oh man! Like they wouldn't just fight you; they would like try to stab, <laughs> try to stab you. <laughs> All right, so we got we got two more, two more that I want to get to. First one is who talks the most trash? Russell. Okay, he's on the list at three. They say Draymond. Yeah, I could see that too. I would have said Pat Bev or Marcus Smart, but Pat Bev is two, and Marcus Smart is seven, and your boy Dre Crowder is eight. So apparently Jay My Crowder man. is looking for a reason to throw hands. <laughs> <laughs> My man Draymond, he's kind of like he's though he's kind of like uh, who is the dude that used to be the center for the Globetrotters? Geese Osby. Yeah, man. I, I he's like him, man. You remember how Geese used to just never shut up? He just talked the whole time. Even though he wasn't talking trash, he was just talking. Bro, That's kind of like Draymond. I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like if Draymond talked noise to the best player on his team yes. and called him the B-word in front of his teammates, I feel like that's all Draymond does. Like, yeah. yeah, that's all he does. All right, so last question. Which coach, aside from your own caveat, would you not want to play for? Um, I would not want to play for um, D'Antonio. D'Antonio. Yes. Okay, Houston Rockets coach. All right. Well, yes. he's not on their list. I'm gonna tell really? you tell you about the guys who are on the list before I tell you about who's at the top of the list. Well, first of all, the guy that's on their list is probably Popovich. Uh, yeah, but he's way down there. He's at six. Really? Yeah, he's at six. He's actually the dude that <clears throat> they most want to play for. Really? Yeah, he's at up there with forty percent. Oh man, imagine that. I think I think he gets the players. I think that's a lot of it. But right. the dudes that are on this list receiving votes: Rick Carlisle, Eric Spolstra, Alvin Gentry, Luke Walton, Steve Clifford, Scott Skiles, Jeff Van Gundy got votes. Stan Van Gundy got votes. All right, so now the top two dudes, Tom Thibodeau at one and Jim Boylan at two. Who's at one? Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> Mr. Run You Into the Ground, Tom Thibodeau. And Jim Boylan came in there talking about this uh, expletive has to stop. 
Well, how did Luke Walton then? Luke Walton turns around, gets fired by the by the Lakers, and has a job with the Kings like three days later. Because Vladdy consolidated power and said, "Luke's my guy." Yeah, I, I need to get you back into that. Just do some do some reading about that, and you'll see no. that Vladdy fired like five people before he hired Luke Walton. <laughs> One of them was head coach, so I'm not sure that that's a good situation for Buddy Hield over there <laughs> and the boys. But it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, is there anything that you wanted to mention on the way out? Anything I wanted to mention on the way out? Mm-hmm. Nah, man. Okay, I'm just cool. I'm I'm just still sitting here enjoying my enjoying my Sunday. We got we got we got a Tiger win this morning. Getting ready to watch the Thunder tonight. Um, by the way, did you watch? Yeah, there is something I want to talk about. Did you okay. watch that? Uh, did you watch that Holloway uh, Poirier fight last night? I did not. I, I was, yeah, yeah, I was hands, nothing but hands, okay. hands, I'm gonna, straight I'm gonna hands. It. I'm gonna watch it. Straight, straight hands. I bought it, so I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, man. All right, um, I was, uh, I was impressed, dude. All right. I was impressed. Well, that is the man, Jerry Ostrowski. I'm R.J. Young. We try to do this once a week, but sometimes stuff just doesn't happen. But if you do like the podcast, please rate and review it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever it is that you're listening, please leave us some sort of comment, unless you don't like it, in which case, just keep it to your doggone self. All right, we're going to see you next time. Doses. Late.